Welcome to Mint, a unique look into how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and let's kick off this episode by giving some love to our five NFT sponsors. They are Coinvise, Poop, Cello, Social Stack, and PrimeDAO. First off, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have POAP, or short for Proof of Attendance Protocol, who enables a novel way of creating one's life diary. Leveraging NFT technology, POAP facilitates an easy way to mint non-fungible tokens related to meaningful events. It's frequently used in crypto-native communities, and now it's starting to create NFT collectors in the mainstream too. Collect or launch your own POAP today by visiting poap.xyz. Next up, we have Social Stack, a platform for communities, brands, and creators to build mission-driven social token economies, offering an easy-to-use non-custodial wallet with a suite of open-source community engagement tools. Social Stack makes it simple to bring your community into Web3 and be a part of creating an open-source, gratitude-driven future for social tokens. Create a free social token wallet, discover mission-driven social token communities, or apply to launch your own token on Social Stack by visiting socialstack.co today. Next up, we have Celo. Are you looking for an ecosystem of dApps, currencies, and tokens that can connect you with people no matter their device, carrier, or country? Well, say hello to Celo, a mobile-first platform that makes crypto dApps and payments accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. Celo supports thousands of projects from builders, developers, and artists who everyday build applications and issue tokens from all over the world. Visit celo.org today to learn more. And last but not least, we have PrimeDAO, a collective of DeFi builders and DAO veterans attempting to turn DeFi into a more cooperative ecosystem by creating DAO-to-DAO interactions. The first solution to go live is PrimeLaunch, a launchpad experience for DAOs built in collaboration with Balancer. If you plan on launching a DAO, head over to prime.xyz to access a network of partners and tools that will jumpstart your DAO development today. This episode welcomes Andy from Fractional.art, whose work dates back all the way to MakerDAO, where he worked as a developer iterating on their DeFi protocol, to becoming a top collector on NBA Top Shot, to now founding a dope protocol called fractional that allows people to basically well fractionalize their nfts and co-own them alongside many other random strangers or friends on the internet so in this episode we talked about why fractionalizing nfts is even necessary in this ecosystem and how people would actually fractionalize nfts prior to his platform uh how the response has been from creators to see their art on the platform being fractionalized and co-owned by many versus one if there's any plans to expand a fractional beyond art, what industries kind of make sense to tap into next, the risks associated with fractionalizing your art, uh, how creators have been bootstrapping and using using the protocol to not only for their own respect, right, in their own work, but also to kind of build communities uh, as, as a way to kind of like, you know, create more equitable shares uh, in, in what they do and what they love best. And uh, last but not least, how he kind of sees fractional integrating across other networks beyond Ethereum. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation and let's get to it. Andy, welcome to Mint, man. Thank you so much for being on. How you feeling? 
I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Sorry, you it's got been it, way too long since we started having these conversations. <laughs> I think we met six months ago at ETHCC in Paris, and I was like, yo, Fractional Sick, come on, Mint. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out. And it's like six, seven months later, here we are. All in good timing, though. All in good timing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, dude, let's get started. Who the hell are you? Okay. What should people know about you? But more specifically, what were you like before crypto? All right. Honestly, I was basically the same, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay. But I don't know. You can ask Allie. She'd be a better, she'd be more insightful to it than me. <laughs> um, so prior to crypto stuff, I mean, I've spent like basically all of my adult life doing crypto stuff. So also like basically prior to crypto stuff, I was in college. Um, but I went to Villanova and studied computer engineering. For a while, I thought I actually wanted to get into like sports analytics stuff. I like spent the summer after college, like DMing every general manager in the MBA on, on LinkedIn or like anyone who worked in data analytics Jesus. in the MBA, trying to see if I could get, get something there. Um, fortunately that didn't work out. So that's good. Uh, it all, all worked out for the best. I had like a really boring job, um, doing backend stuff and then just kind of found my way to be at like a FinTech company writing solidity in 2017. Did that, went to maker, in the start of 2019, like I started like January 1st, 2019, uh, worked there for two years, left to do like some consulting stuff and other random stuff, and then started Fractional in February of this year. Um, outside of crypto stuff in general, I've always been pretty into like sports and video games or like my big things that I do for fun in my free mm -hmm. time. Um, I'm a really, really big basketball and football fan. Uh, I used to play a lot of daily fantasy sports and like do my own like player projection models and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't really do that anymore. I play some underdog because it's like super, super casual, which is nice. Um, but no, no more like crunching lineups for four hours before <laughs> tip off and all of that. Uh, but those were the good old days. Yeah. Did you did you play basketball and football growing up? Uh, I would play with my friends. I played football in high school. Um, what did you play? What was your, I was what not was your very position? Good. No, I was okay. a tight end and defensive end. I was better on offense than I was on defense. I was a pretty good blocker. I was not a, I was not a, a route running tight end. Got it. Dude, <laughs> growing up, I also like, I hated sports. I was a fat ass growing up. I kind of still am, but like my, if you're a fat ass, you typically lean towards football, right? Like you mm -hmm. just, you're good shield, you're good brick wall, kind of like in the front. So I was very much a lineman. I forgot. I think I was like, uh, I'm going to butcher dude. I don't even remember anymore. That's how like unintuned I was, but I remember in middle school, I played football with like the local Angels League. And then when I got into like uh, what high school, I joined like the high school team. It was still like fucking nobody on there and was dirt shit. But it gave me the appreciation of what of what sports was like. My brother is a basketball player. He's like six foot something, six foot one. And he was always a sports person. I was always the music person. I'm like pointing right mm -hmm. behind me. But yeah. Okay. So you were you were a lineman, basically, right? You were in the front. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then basketball, you played growing up as well. Yeah, not like on teams really. I stopped okay. doing that. So I like I hit my growth spurt pretty late. I'm like six feet tall, but okay. I was like, it's like, like freshman. I was five one, and so uh, I, I like eighth grade. I was like, ah, you know what? Basketball not for me. Um, <laughs> and then I, I I grew a lot so like sophomore year of high school, and so I just played like casually with my friends. We used yeah. to. Especially like sophomore and junior year, I think maybe senior year as well. We would just like go to our local rec center and play most days after school. We would like go play basketball, 
go back to a friend's house, play Halo or Call of Duty, go home for dinner. That was like our, our normal after school evening. Cool. Yeah. So, okay. Into playing video games. I feel like that's a very underlying common theme amongst many people in crypto, myself included. I got started playing like Club Penguin and RuneScape. Like that was my thing. What did you play other than uh, Halo? What was it? Yeah. Well, so I started out playing on console doing like Call of, Call of Duty was the one that I was yeah. best at. Uh, I would go to a lot of like the local tournaments and stuff growing up. I'd also play Madden. Um, then I moved over to, I started playing PC games uh, later on in high school mm-hmm. and I was playing Starcraft. I was terrible. Uh, and I was playing League of Legends like very early on. I was also terrible. I've never <laughs> been good at League of Legends. I still play it fun sometimes. I've never been better than like gold two in League of Legends, even though I have <laughs> so many hours in that, in that goddamn game. Um, but what then where I the games that I generally have done better at have been the more strategy style games. Uh-huh. I back in college I was playing Hearthstone pretty competitively. Okay. Um and then more recently, kind of like right at the start of COVID and a little earlier than that, I was playing uh, this game called Team Fight Tactics very competitively. Uh like I was legitimately considering trying to like become a Twitch streamer and go pro in this really? game. Really? Yeah, yeah. But Another one of those moments where, like, fortunately, it didn't work out. I decided to do something else. Um, but now I just play it for fun. It's like a nice game to take 45 minutes and chill and do something else. Turn my brain off. All right. I love it. The only person that comes to mind, I guess, character-wise, that I always admired was, like, Zazima in RuneScape. Do you remember Zazima? Yeah. Okay. Man, it's been a long time since it's, RuneScape. It's been a minute. But for whatever reason, that name always stuck out with me. I remember I was playing RuneScape and... My account got hacked and I lost all my shit. And I became depressed as like a middle schooler and I didn't want to talk to anyone. My parents couldn't talk to me, whatever. Okay. Video gaming, sports, uh, college, got into crypto during college, uh, studied computer. I actually science. did not get into crypto in college. Oh, I, okay. Post college. I got into crypto one year outside of school. So I, I started, oh, okay. I guess I got, I got into crypto like end of 2016, okay. start of 2017. Okay. Um, and then, I started doing it full time end of 2017. Got it. Got it. What do you think are like the biggest similarities between video games that you grew up playing to crypto in general? Like, why do you think there's such like an underlying theme between amongst a lot of people in the games that they played back in the day? Yeah. Well, I, I think like I'm, I'm a really large proponent of video games in general. I think that they really help with like critical thinking, problem solving, a lot of this stuff when you're actually like, you know, if you're actually playing games that are competitive or you're trying or playing games that are challenging, sure. Obviously, you can play Candy Crush all day and like it's not going to do anything for you. Uh, <laughs> but like, I legitimately think a lot of the way that I think about like challenges and stuff are have been helped a lot by video games. Um, well, not that's true. Who the hell knows? But I believe it. Um, I think that a lot of the people who are big in crypto or just like really into crypto probably grew up online a lot. I definitely did. And also um, they're very good at like problem solving and they also enjoy the like PVP nature of crypto. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think crypto is extremely like overall like a rising tide lifts all ships thing, but there is a lot of PVP that happens in the meantime. Um, I think that people who are really into video games and good at video games are good at that and probably also really enjoy it. Like, I just out even outside of the making money part, I thoroughly enjoy doing like degenerate yield farm 
stuff, trying to figure out when you should pull out of pool two and all those types of things. Like to me, that's, it's fun. And like, I even, even without the, the money side, it's just like a fun thing to do. Yeah. So I think that there's definitely a, a pretty big connection there where people just like, they enjoy doing stuff online with other people and crypto is like the ultimate online arena for all that stuff. Crypto is like the best way to solidify all that and like yeah. bring it on and actually attach tangible value. I remember when I used to play, like I used to accumulate a lot of like coins in RuneScape and try to sell that online for like actual cash. You no, know, yeah. Like, I remember the Diablo two uh, or Diablo three, like auction house stuff. My buddy sold something he got, he like found for like 400 bucks and we were like, Oh my <laughs> God, that's, that's crazy. dude! <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> and all these random ass accounts selling for like tens of thousands of dollars. Cause they have 99, everything. Okay. Oh, I yeah. get it. I, I, I feel you. Okay. So when, when did you kind of buy your first NFT? Um, and do you remember what it was? So like two questions. So I, it's a bit of a, there's kind of like two answers. I'm pretty sure I, I like bought a couple crypto kitties back in 2017, 2018, when that was all happening. Um, I don't know what those wallets were or anything. That was like, <laughs> it was so, it was like right when I was getting into all of this and I was like, this is really stupid. And I like just bought a couple. Um, so I don't really count those to be honest. Cause okay. I, I generally discredited NFTs at that point and like thought it was dumb. Um, I just didn't really get it. Uh, then probably, I don't remember the first, to be honest, it was, it wasn't that important. It was like, no, whatever. it was like yeah. probably sometime during DeFi summer stuff. So it was like okay. summer of last year. So not that long ago. Yeah. I'm not like some crazy NFT OG who was who was buying stuff before OpenSea existed. <laughs> Level uh, NFT collector by any means. Got it. Got it. So how did that lead to fractional? Like, how did you go from from like getting into crypto, working on projects, going to MakerDAO, starting fra- like what is that? What is the, the narrative behind that story? Yeah. So I think like for me with NFTs in particular, what really unlocked a lot for me was NBA Top Shot, just because like I was saying earlier, I'm a huge basketball fan and just like doing that and buying stuff because it was actually just fun for me as opposed to being like, oh, this is going to make me the most money mm-hmm. was a very eye-opening experience for me because um, I hadn't really thought about NFTs that way. Or I, I like understood the idea that that could be a thing, but I hadn't had a moment where it was for me. And so it was harder to wrap my head around. Um and so that was really very helpful in kind of understanding the value prop of NFTs. And I had like, you know, prior to being super into crypto, I was writing bots to like buy and flip Supreme and Kith and all this stuff and collecting sneakers. Mm. I have way more pairs of sneakers than I can fit in my small New York City apartment in my closet. <laughs> uh, so like they're like the the value proposition of digital scarcity and collectibles and all that kind of stuff like was not new to me. I just hadn't really totally registered it in the mm-hmm. digital world as opposed to the physical. Um, and also like, I'm not a finance guy. I don't, to be honest, like DeFi is cool. I like DeFi. It's DeFi has made me a lot of money, but like, I I don't really, I'm not super compelled to like design the next most efficient bonding right. curve for token swaps or something. Right. Like, that stuff to me, that's not what I studied in school. It's not what I'm passionate about. Um, I love, you know, collectibles and gaming and sports and like that just all kind of leans towards nfts more um and then fractional in particular from there uh 
it was just a lot of the conversations I was having with people who were coming from like the daily fantasy sports world and stuff, primarily in Top Shop, but then also getting into crypto punks and all this who were like group buying stuff. And I was like, this should really just be like being able to buy things online with your friends should be more than just like wiring your, your one friend a bunch of money or Venmoing your friend and him buying something. Uh, there should definitely be like a more a more elegant way to do that. Yeah. Um, and then you just kind of like take it a step further and you're like, okay, sure. People want to buy stuff with their friends, but then like also people just want to own pieces of things that are exciting and interesting. Like it's way more exciting to own 1% of an alien crypto punk than it is to own some random garbage NFT that you buy, can buy on OpenSea. Yeah. And like just trying to figure out the right way to unlock that for people and make that accessible. is really exciting to me. Um, Someone, by the like, way, by the way, I came across that realization personally when you guys had that big PR event with uh, with the uh, Zombie of the Living Dead. Yeah, right. A lot of people kind of came across fra- fractional through that through that drop, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm too broke to to afford a crypto punk." But shit, this one's sick. Like, yeah. I'll buy I'll buy a piece of this one. You know, like this one's pretty cool. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I think that one of the things now that we're really having to figure out and deal with is like that next step from oh, I want to buy this thing that's cool to like really being able to show and display that you fractionally own something and and really like continuing to press into the ownership and collecting side of all of it. Um, Something that we're like spending a lot of time trying to figure out what's best there and what's right. Because there's a lot of like, what we've noticed is there's a ton of interest at the time of fractionalization when there's a cool new thing that's fractionalized. Everyone's like, oh, this is sick. Mm -hmm. But then like, sometimes that interest dies out over time comparatively to other like full NFTs. And maybe that's just like, well, part of that is just just, like kind of part of NFTs and people are going to buy stuff not for the right reasons uh, and then sell it because they're no longer interested, but it's definitely an interesting challenge to try to like work with. Got it. Okay. So we talked a little bit about fractional, but I want to backtrack for a minute for those who don't know what fractional is. Okay. How do you explain it to, to normies? Like what, what does that, what does that narrative look like for you? Yeah, so I guess like the really, really basic version is fractional is a way to buy a piece of an NFT. That's like the super normie, I don't understand anything about crypto version of this. Um, The slightly less normie version is fractional is a decentralized protocol where users are able to trustlessly buy and sell fractions of NFTs or fractionalize Mm -hmm. their own NFTs. then the really more complicated version is uh, it's a decentralized permissionless protocol where uh, you can buy, sell or mint fractions of things and create like any type of, you know, other applications on top of that, like a party bid or all of these different things. Um, it really tries to be very low level and unopinionated so that you can do whatever you want. And that's mm-hmm. like super important to us to encourage that, uh, you know, people are, empowered to develop and build whatever they want on top um, while being able to plug into like a very trusted decentralized framework for fractionalization. Yeah. Solid. I like how you approached it from the three tiers. It reminds me of like the IBM video that came out, like what is blockchain Uh, (laughs) when they're trying to explain it to a kid then like a PhD professor, you know, like (laughs) Stella, I guess my, my next question to you, and we talked a little bit about this, like the feeling of owning a, a part of something bigger. But why, why in general, beyond art, why is fractionalization and co-ownership so important? Yeah, well, one of the things that like, 
is really interesting is just like how much fractional has kind of turned into like a social media app in a way. Uh, it wasn't what something I completely expected, but it definitely is happening where it's like one of the biggest use cases for all this is just to own something online with your friends. And I've almost been calling it like subreddits for, for NFTs mm. where you, everyone who fractionally owns a thing together, they have this like sent thing that drives them all together, which is, fractional ownership of an nft in the same way as like a subreddit maybe it's mma or whatever uh and it's not like this crazy intense social graph of people that have to they have tons of responsibilities and they're driving forward the value of M- of mma but like they all like it and they all want to go and kind of talk about it sometimes and talk about it with their friends and post stuff on the subreddit and i kind of think about fractional ownership in the same way where we're like empowering people to own something with their friends and with strangers online and hopefully have as much or as little interaction with them as they desire. Um, and that's like, it's really powerful. And the community that you can build around that stuff is really additive to the NFTs themselves. Um, hmm. And it also just is, it's like, it creates a significantly more open world for NFTs that's inviting to new new people. Like I saw someone tweeting, they asked like, what's the you know, what are the best NFTs for like a Christmas present that are under $50? And like, it's really hard to find NFTs that people think are really cool and also are under $50 because it's kind of like the nature of how things are right now. Mm -hmm. There's not enough of a market for that price point of NFT, but like fractional can come in and fill that very nicely. Um, So are you getting into the gift giving world (laughs) of things, which I could honestly see like Sony building uh, an application layer on top of that, right? Using, Using your protocol could be super sick. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's something that I would love to see happen. It's not something that we're going to explicitly yeah, like build sure. anytime soon. Um, but those are the types of things that Fractional unlocks that I get really excited about, where it's like, how do we create the appropriate infrastructure for people to have a really great way to gift an NFT to their dad for Christmas that like is actually cool and exciting and and like, you know, is a fun thing to own as opposed yeah. to just, you know, whatever random thing they're able to find or... I don't know. I think that stuff is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. You know, one thing that I, I really admire as to how you guys went to market is all, all or not necessarily went to market, but like how you guys think about marketing and like driving traffic and users to fractional is this, this DAO called Pleaser DAO. Okay. And a lot of like the big dick energy that you guys kind of put out there is buying these really, really dope pieces. And then attempting to fractionalize them the most like common one is like the doge piece that kind of went live that hit shelves across bloomberg everywhere like everybody was talking about it across twitter it had an incredible success i i'd think about normies coming to the space understanding what fractionalized nfts were experiencing maybe even some of their first tokens etc etc but i i love this whole concept that you guys are kind of like exploring publicly it's like building this really powerful protocol adding a adding a layer that has like a consumer element but then attaching this like collector doubt to it that kind of like practices what they preach right and buying these pieces and then using the platform and the protocol to kind of put it into action which creates a whole nother layer of like social and awareness uh, of bringing a product to life which i thought was like super super interesting was that planned this type of strategy was that did that happen accidentally like talk walk me through that and maybe i'm like talking out of my ass too like but i I, something that i noticed kind of was super cool about you guys yeah, honestly, like so as much as it may not as it may seem like it, like there's 
essentially zero connection between Pleaser Dow and Fractional, other than mm. that I am in Pleaser Dow. Um, but it kind of it all just like happened very randomly. Um, I started Fractional in February. Pleaser Dow started in April. I don't remember. Mm. Um, and it just kind of like was very clear inside of Pleaser Dow that what wanted to have what people wanted to have happen there was fractionalization and buying things and you know redistributing them to the larger community and the people who were able to make those things happen and who those items are important to. Uh, and like it was just really funny and fortunate timing that like I was also working on fractional and then those two things like aligned so nicely. Um, and I'm also like very thankful that the people in Pleaser Dow are supportive of fractional and like excited and happy to use it. And like yeah. obviously, I'm biased inside of Pleaser Dow, and that I like using fractional. Yeah. Um. But I am but a small a small vote in the larger Dow of of people. Uh. I think that's one of the things that we really focused on with fractional was wanting to make like I was saying, wanting to make sure we're unopinionated, so you can kind of really do whatever you want. And I think that was really compelling for for Pleaser Dow in fractionalizing the Doge NFT. Um. As as Pleaser Dow goes forward and does other things, you know, there's there's like no commitment from the DAO in any sure. by any means to like use fractional for everything. And like, I wouldn't want them to do that either. I think like, to me, it's just a fun group of people that I'm collecting stuff with where when the, when like the situation is right, please your will hopefully use fractional for the right things. Um, to be honest for me, it, like a lot of that just feels like super fortunate. It just mm. kind of all fell into place where, yeah. you know, a bunch of friends all bought some stuff and I happened to be one of them and we just we decided to fractionalize it. Um, Sure. It yeah. I, I wish I could say that it was like some master plan you know, that I had. But, but, it really wasn't. <laughs> but like but like think about it. Like, you know, a lot of products and protocols are, are, are launching daily, okay, in, in crypto. And if you like look at it, you zoom out for a minute and you're like looking at it from above and you're like, wow, that's actually a really cool way to bring something to life. It's like design yeah. the protocol for it and then build a use case around it. Uh and like have this crazy PR event. And I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was like a, a super, super cool like angle to to bootstrap yeah. users and to kind of create awareness. Um, yeah, that was, thank that you. Was really I, interesting. I think you know really where for me like the strategy part of that for fractional comes in is more just like we've been really, really intentional about building good relationships with collectors and creators and different people to where when they come to a point where they say, "Hey, maybe we want to fractionalize something," hopefully they think of fractional and they mm -hmm. want to use fractional, mm -hmm. and that's been extremely intentional. Um, and so far I think we've done a decent job at that. We can always do better, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with how that's gone. Uh, and so I think that that's where the more intentional side was, was Pleaser Dow in and of itself just happened to be one, one of the things that spun up. Um, but like, fortunately I already had a lot of relationships with people there and yeah. friendships and there was a trust in what we've built yeah. to put something that was worth so much onto fractional. Yeah. Um, but I, I totally agree. I, I think that we're going to see more and more companies and protocols basically build their protocol and then prove the usefulness through applications even like mobile apps with all these different things you know like you can see it with compound as well where they have mm -hmm. like the compound treasury now where like compound made compound protocol and now they have like a significantly different app that's utilizing compound treasury or use, utilizing compound protocol called compound treasury where they're like working with larger institutions to get them better yield through yeah, USDC. Yeah. And so I, I think we're going to continue to see those kind of things spin up more and more. Uh, and it just, it just makes sense. Yeah. 
You know, and just like just just adding a little bit more to it, okay. Coming out with with fractional, okay. Other other projects kind of like brought more awareness to the platform. Uh, there's this iconic Doge event of of Pleaser Dow buying the initial Doge piece, then going to fractional and fractionalizing it and kind of bootstrapping a lot of liquidity and, and boosting the value of the underlying asset, and then going to NFT NYC and seeing all the dogs everywhere or the Doges everywhere, right? And adding more character, more more culture to the drop itself. And how this like piece of technology enabled that, right? Enabled that that level of movement, that level of culture, that level of togetherness, unity. I thought it was super, super cool. One thing I wanted to talk to you also about is like you brought up this concept of creators using fractional. And if they they want to fractionalize something, they think of you guys. What has been the response so far of creators seeing their pieces of art uh, being like uh, deconstructed to bits and pieces and co-owned by many, many people? What what has been like the the sentiment around that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's been different based on who you talk to, um, not surprisingly. But some some creators are super excited about it. They're like, this is awesome. Uh, basically, love that I can, you know, reach a broader collector base and all this other stuff. I think other creators kind of enjoy the exclusivity of their work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, rightfully so. That sometimes is a very powerful part of what they're doing. Um, and so maybe they're not as big a fan. I haven't really had anyone be like, hey, don't like this take my nft down or something that has not been a conversation we've had fortunately um but it's definitely been a spectrum i would say for the most part people are super excited about it uh it's you know it's generally pretty compelling to without having to dilute your you know exclusivity or anything just have a fractional piece that you know the smaller whale the smaller non-whale people can come in and collect and be a part of the community and all that sure um and so that that's i think been the the most positive response has been around the ability for them to bring in a ton more collectors to, to their art who otherwise would have been priced out of it. Okay. I had a, what's his name? Tyler Hobbs uh, on mint a few episodes, actually in the same season. Okay. I think it was like episode one or two. And we talked about like how he feels about seeing his art on fractional and what's Mm -hmm. really intended to be owned by one person is now being co-owned by many people. And he had an interesting point. He's like, well, my art is meant to be enjoyed uh, by the masses, right? Define enjoyment. Enjoyment can Mm -hmm. come in different shapes and forms, right? If people define their level of enjoyment by owning something, right, then who am I to say that that should be owned by one person, right? Maybe that should be owned by multiple people. And I thought it was like an interesting approach, but I could also see it kind of backfiring of like fine artists really building and, and designing and creating for one collector. Right. That's like their strategy. And then that collector goes on fractional and like <laughs> democratizes it. It's like everybody can have it now and yeah. <laughs> enjoy the perks of, of the piece of art. So I thought I thought that was a super interesting insight. Uh, and from what you're what I'm understanding, that has kind of been the sentiment as well from from what you're seeing, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. I would say generally um, and obviously, you know, every, every single instance of it is different. But for the most part, it's been a pretty good response from from creators uh, who, who have been excited to have have this be a new tool mm-hmm. that they can use. Yeah. Have you seen any like unique use cases of creators using fractional in like a, a different light than you would have imagined initially? Anything come to mind? Um, I've seen some interesting stuff around like 10,000 PFP projects with like different things that they've done with fractional. Like there's like the punks comic stuff and, and different things like that. As far as more like specifically uh, a creator who's 
doing more traditional art, whether it's photography and stuff. Probably one of my favorites has been the photo vault, mm. which is um, it's there's now two different photo vaults on fractional, but they're collections of different photography artists, NFTs. And uh, the vault has now actually like licensed the artwork that's inside of them to time magazine, which is really cool. I have oh. no idea what that means to be honest with you. I, I don't, you know, was not privy to the whatever the legal conversations were around licensing <laughs> a fractional vault of NFTs. Uh, it was one of those things where, like, I found out the announcement because, like, Time or Photo Vault had announced it. I, I had sure. no idea, which sure. to me is like a huge win. Like, if stuff like that is happening on fractional and we don't even know about it, that's like the ultimate pro. It means people are doing really cool shit that we didn't even think of or didn't plan. And, like, that's exactly what you want. So it was a good thing to have. But one day it's still like, saw the tweet in our slack and i was like oh i had no clue um i think that one's been really really cool and i I just love in general when people there's been you know somewhat of a push by different people to use fractional and the fractionalization and you know these vaults to um to support different types of artists or different groups of artists uh i know there's been someone in our some of our twitter spaces lately talking about wanting to create vaults of nfts around women artists and like buying more women's artwork with those like with the proceeds of selling the fractions and all that i think i think there's just really cool stuff that can be done where you're like kind of creating access for like a ton of people to be able to support Mm -hmm. different groups of people and stuff um i haven't seen a ton of explicit use cases of it yet but i've been hearing a lot of conversations about it and i'm excited to see where that all kind of goes yeah i'm also super excited you know part of mint is basically showcasing ways either founders are building for creators either directly and directly and when i had tyler hobbs on and he kind of brought up that that situation that use case it's like oh this is actually a pretty cool way for for more creators to kind of explore uh what what asset ownership what art ownership means to them and their collectors and what that can kind of do from from there on out so yeah super super interesting one thing that i'm super excited about that i'm seeing a lot of other people get excited about is uh uh photography nfts yeah. Um, are you are you collecting some of yourself? I I don't have a ton. If I'm being okay. totally honest, I do have I have one uh, drifter shoots where my vans go, which is sick. I, sick. Those are definitely my favorite. I love those. Uh, I I need to spend more time really getting into it. To be totally honest, I just have I don't have nearly as much time now to be like deep in the weeds on Foundation and Zora and OpenSea yeah. finding yeah. like the next thing. And so a lot of the time I'm like just DMing D's in Slack. And I'm like, Hey man, what's, what, what's hot? Tell me about <laughs> what should I be looking at? Um, but, but yeah, so right now I, I had some of the, the fractionalized, um, uh, raw DAO NFT prior to it being bought out the first time, the, um, twin flames. Mm-hmm. I had some of that. Um, and, and now, yeah, right now my main, my main photography entity I have is one of my, the drifter shoots, Uh, but I'm in the market. I need to do some more research when I, one day I'll have some free time, maybe over the, maybe over the Christmas holidays. There you go. (laughs) There you go. How, how do you imagine people kind of using fractionalized assets to bootstrap community? I know we talked a little bit about this with the doge drop, uh, but how does it go from there? Is this something you guys are thinking about internally? Because I know you guys yeah. have a big community arm with these kind of leading a lot of the narratives and the voice around fractional next to you. Um, how do you think about that? Yeah, it's something that we, we're still trying to figure out internally in a lot of ways, to be honest, is like, does fractional, should fractional be providing like the infrastructure for people to have 
larger community discussions on our website or on another website? Should there be like forums for different fractional NFTs? Should we be allowing people to plug in full governance to fractional NFTs where you can, you know, really bootstrap a DAO and do all this other stuff? And like the answer right now is still kind of, we're not totally sure. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time. I'm really excited. We just brought in uh, like a, someone to lead product for us who spent a lot of time doing a lot of user research and different things like that at his previous job. I'm really excited to start doing a little bit more like surveys and just like talking mm-hmm. to people and figuring out exactly what it is when it, when people talk about building a community or bootstrapping a community around a fractional NFT, like what does that actually mean? What is it that you really want to be doing there? Cause there's a million different ways that could go. Um, and so I think the like short answer is yes, definitely fractional wants to be supporting and empowering people to build communities on top of fractionalized NFTs. Um, but the long answer is like, yes, but we haven't quite figured out what that means or how we're going to do it yet. And so we're still kind of in the exploratory phase of, how much do we need to be supporting people as far as like the technical chops of creating a community? And we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. It'll be, uh, it'll be super interesting to kind of see how that folds. I'm looking on the website right now and you know, there's so many different, there's like pillar assets that get kind of diverged into smaller pieces of assets that within themselves each have their own respective communities Right. And a lot of what fractionalization does gives like democratizes access, you know, to something yeah. that otherwise couldn't have been accessible. And that within itself is like the big ethos of community, I feel like. Right. So there's definitely a twist in a play. And, and it's interesting to hear kind of like you're seeing more of a social side appear through the fractionalization yeah. art. Is it only on Ethereum right now? For now, yes. Is uh, there are there plans? Is this like can we do some alpha leaks right now? Are there plans <laughs> to kind of I won't leak anything too hard. I will say fractional plans to be anywhere that there are valuable NFTs. If, Solid. if yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So we are actively working on that. I think the biggest challenge for us there, we take our UI really, really seriously. I, I like not to tutor on horn. I think, you know, maybe it's not like as edgy as some crypto UIs are and stuff. It feels a little bit more web too, but I do think it's really clean and it works nicely and it is intuitive. And Dude, I think make that's sure. why I think that's why it, it's so like powerful because it's not curve finance, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, and we we like really try to take that seriously and want to make sure that our users because we have a lot of users who are relatively new to crypto and like we want to be a place where users who are new to crypto can come and yeah. buy stuff and just like kind of start to test the waters. And so when we do have multi-chain support, we want to make sure that's a really good experience. I. I can't say that a lot of websites do have like great experiences when it comes to blockchain and i don't really blame them it's really really hard um so we just want to make sure we take the time to make sure we get it right uh but it'll it'll come awesome i think that's a perfect place to end off short and sweet uh andy you're a rock star bro thank you for being on uh where can we find you where can we find fractional uh give us give us the hot take yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Uh, my The best place to find me is going to be on Twitter. My handle is Andy8052. It's my handle basically everywhere. Uh, Fractional's Twitter handle is fractional underscore art, and our domain is fractional.art. Um, but yeah, Twitter is the main place you'll find us. Otherwise, we have a Discord that you can find links to on our website. Um, yeah, thanks again for having me. This was really oh, fun. Man. Thank you.